ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely oh, fucked Jesus up? Christ. You know that feeling <laughs> that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, it's like oh, forget Monday. it. <laughs> Let's see, I, think so. was a, I held it away from you the computer and everything. Like you think nice the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Yeah. Yeah. This is right. Guns don't kill people. Fucking scream. Cool J yes. is hard as hell. That That's song been... fucking brings it. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard that song since I was a kid. That song's not a, it's not Christmas themed, is it? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why? It's called Rock the Bells. Uh, I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I don't think it's about, it could be, actually, I don't. Okay. Uh, so we don't I know. had a, I thought it was about him being tough and the best at pretty much everything. What's not tough about Christmas? Um, I don't think Santa Claus is all that tough. Okay. Interesting. What, you do? <laughs> I've never thought about it. <laughs> well, you brought it up. Uh, I love that song. That's all I'm going to say about it. <clears throat> so I was watching my favorite movie the other night. Mm-hmm. Rudy. Oh, gotcha. Which I've seen many, many times. Right. Probably a hundred times. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> my mom, well, because we needed a good, wholesome family. Honestly, the, the way we got onto Rudy was that uh, I wanted to watch Goon. Mm -hmm. And Melissa didn't think Junior should be, I mean, Gertrude didn't think uh, Junior should be watching a violent hockey movie. Right. Even though I personally think uh, there's a lot of redeeming qualities in that movie that he should be watching, but I didn't want to get in a fight over it. <laughs> and, and, okay. So I decided uh, Rudy would probably be gotcha. a better choice. Um, when you get older as a man, especially if you have had kids... You tend to become much more emotional, mm -hmm. and crying just happens at you know times that it wouldn't have happened when you were younger. Right. And it's not just that you're becoming a bitch. Mm -hmm. uh, it's because you start to realize how precious certain things are in life that you didn't know before. So, okay. for example, I'm sitting there on the couch, and Junior is passed out. Next to me, uh -huh. right? I take this selfie of us just 
just awesome. He's laying right on me, just head back, mouth open. And I sent the picture to my mom, and she wrote me back. <clears throat> she said, looks like you two are inseparable. He's really blessed to have such a devoted father and you such a precious son. And God damn it, if I didn't just start, like, tearing up. Wow. You know, when, when she said that, right? Um, he... When he was, well, first of all, it took a long time for us to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Six years we were trying. Yeah. Finally, we had to go the IVF route. Right. And we had, I'm going to make this as short a story as possible, but we had eight viable embryos mm -hmm. through this really expensive procedure that we did. First time we went in, they gave us two of them. Neither of them took. Mm -hmm. Next time we went in, they gave us three of them. Right. And one took. And it took for a couple of months, and then we had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And that is fucking devastating. Right. And you wouldn't know that until you've tried to get pregnant or you've had kids or you just understand what's involved, yeah. like how lucky you are to get to get pregnant. Yeah. So then we had three left at that point, and they, we went back in. They gave us all three, and only one of them took. Mm -hmm. And that's my son. Yeah. Right. And so we are just so I just feel so lucky and so blessed every day by him. So I'm sitting there watching Rudy and God damn it. The end of that movie that I've seen a hundred times comes on and I'm just fucking bawling. Crying. <laughs> I told you we should have watched Goon. <laughs> Now look at me. I mean, tears running down my face. Just like I cannot hold it together Damn. at this point. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I fucking love that movie. Uh, I don't know if I've ever actually seen that movie all the way through. What? I don't know. Dude. I used to have a Rudy poster, but it was there as a... <laughs> I, uh, I think the first apartment I ever had, I was like 18... And if I remember correctly, I had a friend that worked at a video store, and then he would bring home the posters that were, like, outdated. Uh -huh. So we had in our living room a giant Rudy poster. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. You had it there, ironically. Yeah. Or not. Or just, I don't know, put it up. Dude, I would be <laughs> so stoked to have that poster right now. That happens when you're a kid. Like, you, you do things ironically, and then as you get older, you're like, actually, you know, I think that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. You know, like... Like, out of my cold, dead hands or something. You're like, ha, ha, that's hilarious. Those gun nut losers and that. Now you're like, oh, I'd give anything to have that T-shirt Now back. I say that about, like, <laughs> bottles of hot sauce. And <laughs> so I got to make a correction uh, from last week. Uh, the song It's My Life is not by Howard Jones. Howard Jones is still badass, but it's by a band called Talk Talk. Ah. And I went on an 80s kick last night, actually. And I left off my list of the best 80 jam, 80s jams of all time. Um, Voices Carry by Till Tuesday, I think, is Ooh. would be my, my number one. My stepsister used to think the chorus of that song said, uh, hush, hush, keep it down now, ooh, so scary. Mm, that was like kind of a <laughs> Halloween theme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very yeah. nice. So I'm bottling up all my, uh, we, we, we go big every year with the, um, the peppers. I got giant pepper gardens and mm. expand it every year. Yeah. And then two years ago, or was it last year? I started making it was last year. It was it last year. Started making the Liberty Tree hot sauce, which um, 
and just give them to people. Which will be available on our website coming soon. Yes. I think uh, we're going to try to go legit. I have I have it down to more of a science now where it's the biggest challenge is, well, not poisoning people would be number one. Number two is getting it consistent. You've finally gotten over that one. Um, I'm like at least 80%. Yeah. Like I, I mean, it's taken a while. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Four out of five times. Thank God you have that huge piece of property behind your house. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and access to an excavator. Um, yeah. Is getting it consistent because it's a fermented hot sauce. So there's this whole process of mm-hmm. fermenting peppers. And I love insanely hot stuff, like hotter the better. And the ferment fermentation process actually whacks down the spiciness of the peppers because I've made some that was like Carolina Reapers and ghost peppers and habaneros and stuff. Like I have to wear gloves when I cut it up and I'd still wake up in the middle of the night with my face burning, like just the vapors of it that we'll start to get to. And then after it ferments, it kind of mellows it out. It's still fairly spicy. I mean, the people I give it to said like, dude, this is, it's a little too much for me. Um, I'm trying to figure out the secret of getting it crazy, like a crazy hot hot sauce have you tried have you thought of doing something like uh turpentine mm-hmm. like they used to do just, during prohibition just straight up like poisoning people well you already are that would so. be that'd be that 20 percent that i was referring to <laughs> earlier <laughs> as i was uh experimenting with it i think if you do it in small doses you get away with it but here's the weird thing is people will be like i just cannot figure out the that secret ingredient in this stuff we went into a cold snap what two weeks ago the weather started turning here yeah we usually have like uh fairly we have warm falls here in northern northern california but i mean it's been pretty cold like in the 30s in the morning i'm still getting habaneros on my plants all my spicy peppers fruit super late Mm -hmm. i'm still getting i'm going out there with like a beanie and a jacket on and picking habaneros still it's got to get pretty cold to wipe them out yeah surprised by that Dude, you ought to dig them up, put them in a pot, and bring them indoors. I thought about that. Yeah. I'm going to tent them, and I always have a few that make it through the through the winter, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, this is a riveting topic, but uh, <laughs> what do you say we start the show? I, I'd love that. Good morning. Time to get up and go to work. So... Uh, just opened up the greatest newspaper in America, the Epic Times, this morning. And the front uh, front page headline, House Republicans prepare onslaught of investigations. Essentially saying that if Republicans win the House, they plan to scrutinize Biden's China ties, virus origins, and border security. Um, Wait, say that last part again. Border security. Okay. That part? Yeah, no, they... uh, If Republicans win the House, they plan to scrutinize Biden's China ties, virus origins, border Uh security. So, it got me thinking that that little uh, article that we read the other day that Mm -hmm. everyone and their mother has been reading and commenting on. Yeah, that that thing blew up. It ruffled a few feathers, (laughs) to say the least. On okay, we're gonna get there, but interestingly, on both sides, like it just pissed everyone off. Yeah, it's uh, so the woman that wrote it, uh, I always want to say Mary, but it's Emily, Emily Oster, o- Oster, yeah, 
uh, has been doing some backtracking, in in my opinion. Mm-hmm. She was on you. You put it out to me. She was on NPR the other day. Yeah, and I listened to it. It was so bizarre. So I've been listening to NPR like a lot lately. Um, for just I, bizarre. Number one, well, it's some of the greatest unintentional comedy <laughs> that you can ever hear. But it's also it's as easy as it is to sit and poke fun at NPR. I have to remind myself, I'm all, I would say roughly 50% of the people around me in my day-to-day life listen to this and and consider it legitimate news. Yeah, it's a great barometer for where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to listen to it, like, I think, yeah, in almost every car I've owned, I've had it programmed Mm -hmm. into the the radio. Mm -hmm. Every car that I used to listen to radio, and I haven't done that in my truck yet. Yeah. Um. So the this is the thing that I'm that after <clears throat> hearing everyone talk about it and taking some time to think about that article. What was the title of the article? <clears throat> Let's declare a pandemic amnesty, and that was published yeah. in the Atlantic by Emily Oster. So what really strikes me about this article is her choice of words. Yeah, she doesn't say. Absolutely. Let's all forgive each other for the dumb shit we did during COVID. Mm-hmm. She specifically uses the word amnesty. Mike, uh, look up the definition of amnesty, please. The amnesty is a word that implies a certain legal precedent. Yes. It means letting people off the hook right. from being persecuted by the law. Yeah. It doesn't mean let's forgive and forget. Yeah. Okay, so that choice of words. As in Trump should have declared amnesty for Julian Assange, and he didn't. Correct. So fuck off. (laughs) Exactly. Right? And so um, in this backtracking, you hear her talk a lot about forgiveness and grace of God and and all this stuff. And uh, I don't see her really defending this idea of amnesty. So I think we, we let's play the clips and <clears throat> and go through it. Or I'll, do yeah. you want to play it or I'll play it? You go for it. And um, just kind of listen. This to is it. funny because I was thinking about this yesterday, and uh, I kind of on our last episode that we did, it was released. Uh, was that Wednesday? Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday. Um, Amnesty these nuts <laughs> is. I was kind of reflecting because as I went through the article while we were doing that, which was our first. Um, kind of live podcast so we're doing it on the fly and i had member i had made a remark to you when we were done i was like i just didn't plan on getting that fired up like i was trying to i thought i could stay a little more level-headed i was like but it's impossible to to go through this article and not just see red in some of these aspects uh, particularly when it comes to children which i understand like she in a lot of ways was kind of at least had one foot on our side of the fence, you know. But it's just what drove me nuts about the article, and I'm sure we'll get into this, and that's, you know, as I thought about this when I listened to the NPR interview, was the, there's a couple of issues as it pertains to, like, accountability, accountability and personal responsibility and some kind of glossing over of, of certain aspects of that that drove me insane, so... I thought of it like this. She had she written an article that was about um, uh, forgiveness. Um, 
we we would be I would have taken it in a much better light, right? I would have thought, um, okay, forgiveness, absolutely. That we should have room in our hearts to forgive people that have done wrong, especially if they apologize and ask for forgiveness. You know, the Jesus forgave the people that were torturing him to death while they were torturing him. You know, he said, forgive them, Lord, they know not what they do. Um, it's a power move. But, sure. but the other thing about the Jesus, the Jesus, is oh, there's a ton in the Bible, and I'm not really all that well versed in the Bible, but I do know um, a bit about it. And there's a lot in the Bible about accountability and, mm -hmm. you know, obeying laws and obeying your master. And, you know, so that's the difference. Amnesty means you're off the hook from breaking any laws or yeah. doing any wrong. It has nothing to do with accountability. Forgiveness implies opening your heart to someone who is truly sorry and forgiving them for what they did. And those, yeah. her article was not about that. But in her backtracking, I feel like she's trying to make it seem like that's what it was about. Yeah, right? absolutely. But the reason I read this headline is because this is why she wrote the fucking article. Because the uh, Republicans are coming or at least they're afraid the Democrats are afraid that the Republicans are coming for them. Wow. So she wants amnesty declared before heads start rolling. Which is something that you brought up uh, when we did the episode on Thursday, as you kept saying, like, I think it, that's interesting that you brought it up because I didn't so much catch that. And when you said it, I'm like, absolutely. It's like she sees the writing on the wall because yeah. I've noticed that in my everyday kind of anecdotal life of like a lot of friends that are all of a sudden that were full COVID fanatics and looking down their nose at me about like masks and, you know, we're having barbecues at my house and training at her gym and not getting vaccinated. And all of a sudden it's like the, it's interesting though. They've kind of retroactively, like, I wasn't that serious about that stuff. You know, they kind of are like slowly like glossing over it. Yeah. And then when you said that about like, she sees the writing on the wall, I was like, I, yeah, you're right. I yeah. think I wouldn't even be surprised if someone else put her up to writing the article. Yeah. Yeah, you brought that you know, up. I don't think that it just occurred to her. Yeah. I think she's really, they're trying to set the stage to just have a back door out of this thing. Yeah. Because they're, if I had my ways, they there would be people paying severe consequences for what I, they did. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. All right, let's listen. I, uh, I edited out the um, advertisement for electric cars, for NPR. Okay. Talking to their listeners about electric cars. Oh, geez. Is that really their target market? I know, right? Strange. Okay. Well. Yeah. Oster is an economist at Brown University who works on public health policy. She shares that hiking story in a new piece for The Atlantic, headlined, Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. And she told me she wrote about the hike to illustrate the complete uncertainty of that moment in the pandemic. We were all trying to do the thing that we thought was best that we thought was best for our families, that we thought was best for society in a world of basically no information, of just tremendous un uncertainty. And that led people to do different things, but not because they not because they knew anything. They led us to do different things because we were just trying to do our best in the face of, of missing facts. It is, I don't want to nitpick here, but just <laughs> the first thing that stood me in this interview, I... I see like red when people do that up talk 
we were all trying to do the right thing, or at least what we thought was the right thing. It's just, it drives me insane. It's up there with the East Coast vocal fry. I'm like, just stop, talk like a regular person. <laughs> like you sound like a dumb sorority girl. Totally. And you're not. You're a professor of economics at an elite university. Yeah, why are you talking you like that? Okay. That's not why you played that, I'm, I'm guessing. Society in a world of basically is best. Where would I go? That with that moment in the pandemic, world of basically no information, of just tremendous un uncertainty. Uh, I'm not going to pause this every five seconds and go over <laughs> the exact same things that we went over with the article. So uh, this um, is interesting because you and I typically don't talk about what we're going to bring up. And I texted you. I, just I was driving home from work and listening to NPR. I was like, Emily Oster's on NPR right now. And I listened to it, and I was meeting a friend, and we parked ne near each other. And I'm, I couldn't turn off the radio. I'm giving him the the hand, like, wait, I gotta, I'm taking an important I'm call, in, having a driveway <laughs> moment, I believe yeah. it's called. Hang on, I'm listening to NPR. Can you wait for me on the sidewalk <laughs> for five minutes? But uh, I, I, I kind of went into it like, man, this, I, I wish we would have like heard this before. I mean, the, the this this was aired yesterday, so it aired after our podcast. But so by the time I was done with it, I was like, we got to do a part two. Like, we have to address totally. this. And I didn't talk to you about it at all. And you were thinking the exact same thing. You know, I wonder if we ought to post this podcast before Tuesday, just so we don't look like the last guys <laughs> to the party again on this. <laughs> Which we weren't. Some of our favorite no. podcasts hit this stuff up after That's ours true. was posted. Uh, okay. So anyways, yeah. Yeah. We already went over why everything she's saying is dumb. It's not really the point of... Uh, of, of listening to this it's more i have i have new points i'm sure okay. you do too world <clears throat> of basically no information of just tremendous un uncertainty and that led people to do different things but not because they not because they knew anything they led us to do different things because we were just trying to do our best in the face of of missing facts okay. you write that some of our choice okay so for I, I want to qualify what I'm saying, and I wish I would have said this in the last podcast, is that this isn't an all-out assault on Emily Oster. She seems like a reasonable person and her heart's in the right place. What we are attacking is what she is representing, mm -hmm. and that is our primary issue. Um, so I don't want, you know, we spent time, like, deconstructing everything she said and pointing out flaws and, you know, and, and some of her logic. Um but that is just because she is representing like a larger paradigm that was responsible for this complete shit show that we had to go through in the last like, two and a half years. So when she says, so right off the bat, and we addressed this a little bit on the, on the other podcast, but she talks about that they're operating basically with a lack of information or no information. The problem why the, the, we had that information, the problem that you are talking about when you say that you there was a lack of information is because any information that countered the narrative was deplatformed and censored and kicked off called misinformation it's called misinformation while the actual misinformation yes such as vaccine will stop spread mm -hmm. even though they had evidence not only did they never test the vaccine to see if it would stop the spread yeah Pfizer just admitted that mm-hmm they didn't test it to see if it would stop the spread. They told us it would stop the spread, and they had evidence that it wasn't stopping the spread. Well, as I always say, it's so no, no that's Pfizer, Pfizer did test all these things, 
it's just being being done right now on six billion people. <laughs> Very good point. So, when what is it? What is would they file a suit that they don't have to release? You know the data on that for fifty years. So we'll get the results then. But for those of you that uh, partook in this trial, I guess thanks. Thanks for taking one on the chin for humankind. Yeah, Jesus. Of missing facts. You write that some of our choices turned out better than others. Like what? <laughs> so some of our choices, I think, turned out to be to be reflective of the virus. So, for example, there was some emphasis on ventilation, on opening the windows. And it turned out this that that actually is a good way of transmitting COVID. Did they just fuck the recording up? The editing right there. Did you hear what she just said? What? Listen to this again. I, you know what she meant to say. What? It turns out opening the doors and windows and adding ventilation is a good way to stop the spread of COVID. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Listen to what she said. Is a good way of transmitting COVID. The windows. And it turned out that that actually is a good way of transmitting COVID. And then there were other things like <laughs> staying six feet apart from people when you're outside or closing. Right, hold on. Beach- I, I, I want to make a point about this. So let me, let me back it Dr. up. Dr. Freud. Paging Dr. Freud. <laughs> <laughs> let me let her say the whole thing. Is a good way. No. So some of this on ventilation, to be reflective of the virus. So, for example, there was some emphasis on ventilation, on opening the windows. And it turned out that that actually is a good way of transmitting COVID. And then there were other things like staying six feet apart from people when you're outside or closing beaches or closing bike paths. Many things that closed off what we were doing outdoors, which turned out ex post to be a mistake and to not have high COVID risks. Okay, what kind of fucking moron thinks that opening the doors and windows is a good idea to stop the spread of COVID, but then says when you're actually outside, the thing that you're trying to bring inside, the mm-hmm. outside, mm-hmm. when you go to the outside, in that point, you have to have social distancing and a fucking mask on. I mean, it, so don't tell me that we didn't have this information. All you had to do was just not be a complete fucking idiot. Yeah. And that's what we were saying. Yeah. Since the very beginning, we're looking around at people going, why are you in your car by yourself with your mask on? Which they still are doing today. I, I still see it. I just, saw it, I just saw it this morning. I'm, I'm just bad. I can't let it go. I, I'm so interested. Does that person not have the fucking information? It's we had intuitively as semi-intelligent human beings. This, this person is not an idiot. They're an incredibly intelligent person. So you have to figure out there's something psychologically going on, which we've hit on other podcasts. There is it's a nonsense ritual that you're going through. It's lower primate status behavior. This is it's it's, it's a political statement. It's that, um, you know, that trick that you play on kids is to say, like, um, how do you spell silk? Do you have, do you have candy in that windowless van? That one. <laughs> hey, kid. Check out my new shag carpet. <laughs> uh, spell silk. S-I-L-K. Spell. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do cows drink? Mm-hmm. Milk. Yeah. I know, dummy. They drink water. Right. Right. Uh it is that same trick going on in these people's brains, I think. Yeah. You know, you're just you're just tricked into being dumb yeah. for a second. There's some little thing that's that's it, doing it, that's tricking you into following the herd. You yeah, you are following the propaganda to such that you 
what we talk about is they they have succeeded in making you not believe your own eyes. We didn't have the information that cows drank water. Yeah. I mean, that someone just said silk. Yeah. So obviously we all thought cows drank milk. We didn't have the information that, you know, that we shouldn't be wearing, you know, mat it didn't it was useless to be wearing a mask outside. I was like, okay, number one, we intuitively knew that that was stupid. I don't have a background in science. I just, I can, like I say, I walk out the front door. I'm like, this, this, this intuitively makes no sense to me. And then soon after, we did have the information, but we had to work to find it because it kept getting deplatformed and censored. Yeah. So the information was out there. And it's people like this person that were part of the mob and, you know, that had at least, at the very least, not questioning, like, why are we censoring dissenting voices? Like, every opinion should be heard. If we, if, if we are really that confused, like, we really have no idea going on, we should be hearing every point of view on this. And that's not what happened. We only heard one point of view. We heard one narrative. And these people were the cheerleaders for and, that. So well, <clears throat> you made your own bed. And that was an intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's no mistake that billions of dollars were at stake mm-hmm. in this and we just happened to make the we all just have well guess we were wrong we accidentally made billions of dollars for these pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. oh well no and here, that's why we don't want amnesty right people did this on purpose and are going to pay for it hopefully oh they're gonna pay one of the decisions that was a lightning rod then remains a lightning rod now was schools closing, whether they should close, how long they should stay closed, when they should reopen. Um, you, at the time, waited right into the middle of that with an argument that schools should reopen, and you were roundly attacked for it. People, October 20th. People accusing you of putting kids and teachers at risk. Um with the benefit of hindsight, what did you get right and wrong during the pandemic? So I advocated for parents uh, and for open schools in the fall of 2020. And I think that when we look back at that period, many people have now concluded that schools should have been more open than they were and that the costs to our kids were very high. In fact, COVID risks from school were quite low. So I think I was right. Uh, I was right about that. But there were plenty of things that, like everyone, I uh, I didn't have everything right on. So, um, you know, for example, like everyone else, in March of 2021, I thought that vaccines would protect us from any infection. That was the kind of line that we were getting from the sort of details of the of the trials, that it looked like vaccines were very protective against any infection. And then as there were changes in variants, that turned out to be less true. And so again, it's an example of a... No. Did you... Wrong. Yeah. yeah Sorry. Yeah. You're, okay. all, you're off. First of all, you came late to the party. That's... In October, uh, in fall? Yeah. No. By then, I was saying... Spring break in March. I actually went back and I found the letter. I wrote an open letter to everyone mm-hmm. yeah. that I knew saying, hey, guys, this is it was basically it was the, the theme was this is the worst spring break I've ever had. Yeah. How about you guys? Let's get the fuck back to work. Get the fuck back to school. And in that in that letter I wrote, I said, uh, let's all wear masks because I was under the impression at the time that masks mm-hmm. would keep you from spitting on people and that that would be a benefit, not knowing. And uh, I'd like to ask for um, amnesty. Uh, being <laughs> Fuck you, no. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to ask for amnesty. <laughs> <laughs> P- political persecution. Um, so 
No, it made absolute sense to me at that point yeah. that kids were not dying from this. I remember everyone saying, oh, thank God it's not affecting the kids, right? right. That was a big deal, the big story in the beginning. That was huge. Yeah. Right? There was no reason in March. So thank you for coming around. I appreciate that. But you don't get any no. brownie points no. for it. No. And then what you just said about the vaccine is completely wrong and misleading. Yeah. I'm going to play it again. There's this. I also want to point out just that her, her, and this is my problem with these people, her cognitive dissonance throughout the situation. It's like we found out. You know, we soon realized that wearing masks outside didn't do anything. Okay. And then we found out that the kids should be in school. Okay. And she was, and now, like, we're finding out, like, the vaccine. It's like, it's the same people fucking telling you you these things. And you always have these, like, shining aha moments six months after they happen. Like, when, when... like that's where we have been. We we were saying this at the beginning. Like, right. why would you believe anything these people say? They've gotten everything wrong. We were talking to our school the, that spring break. Talking to school, like, as because telling yes. my wife, I was like, they're they're not going back. They're going to shut down. I already know they're going to sh- they're going to. They're using spring break as like the perfect starter for this. It's going to be a complete lockdown. And we were talking to our school like, you guys, you're going to reopen, right? You're going to reopen, and they just kept like shoving us down the road. Kept shining it on, shining. What on. do you know? So, yeah, she goes and she says that the the vaccine, we were told that the vaccines worked. And then um, it turns out uh, they didn't because of Omicron and others. No, 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 (laughs) no, 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 sorry. They didn't work because they never worked. They didn't work for any variant. All they've done is actually cause death and destruction. Mm -hmm. And so have all these other policies, by the way, suicide rates and blah, 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 blah. Depression, anxiety. We've talked about that a million times. Right. So, no, I'm sorry. That's thought that vaccines would protect us from any infection that was the kind of line that we were getting from the sort of details of the of the trials that it looked like vaccines were very protective against any infection and then as there were changes in variants that turned out to be less true and so again it's an example of a place where there was uncertainty we made the best choices we could in the face of the moment of uncertainty and different people made different choices and we learned more as time went on. You can be let off the hook for not having the right information on vaccines, Mm -hmm. but the people that did have the right information and still forced them, it wasn't just like we suggest you take this vaccine. People lost their jobs for not taking it. People were forced to take this fucking drug. It's not a vaccine that then ended up killing them. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. You don't get amnesty from murdering people. Yeah. When we categorize these people into two different categories, there was people like who I would perceive this person to be in that their their heart seems to be in the right place. They seem to be a compassionate person. Um, I pity you that you keep gleaning information from the exact same sources over and over and over and end up on the wrong side of what truth and history is you know, over and over again. I hope, I sincerely hope you're not teaching your college courses like that. <laughs> but, um, so I'm willing to, I guess, have a discussion or at least be somewhat empathetic to their point of view that, and then that second category that we talked about is there are literally demons on earth. There are the people that did this intentionally, the Anthony, Anthony Fauci's, the Randy Weingarten's, the Gavin Newsom's, the politicians, um, the Rochelle Walensky's, I would say everyone involved with the CDC, everyone involved with the WHO is just corrupt as hell. Um, everyone involved <laughs> with the pharmaceutical companies, why the left is fully on board with big pharmaceutical companies yeah. right now is mind boggling to me. And actually it's, it's 
I don't know. I'm, it's extremely entertaining to watch. Um, I'd like to add anyone in the uh, healthcare industry who took uh, royalties mm-hmm. from the the drugs that were made, right. Anthony Fauci, yeah. or sponsored the creation of this virus in the first place. Uh, I think a lot, uh, I think everyone involved with the corporate media complex that pushed these narratives and anyone involved with the social media platforms that censored people like Robert Malone and Peter McAuliffe, um, that, that threw off any kind of dissenting voices mm-hmm. that would attribute to people like Emily Oster here going like, we just didn't have any, for any information like yeah. where people intentionally withholding that information from you. Yeah. I think that includes anyone that's in a, uh, a school union, a teacher's union, yeah. any sort of union that's associated with schools yeah, the, that the, intentionally the kept that schools closed knowing that it would we- hurt kids yeah, and they, did it they because intentionally, they wanted They intentionally off. weaponized children to, you know, they saw an opportunity <laughs> there to further their agenda. Yeah. Any, all these people yep. that did this, they, they're, they're literally demons. They're going to hell. They're terrible people. Yeah. No. The central argument in this piece as i read it was was for grace was for a little bit of humility and forgiving one another for what we got right and what we got wrong when didn't know that much about covid let me let me let you elaborate on that what's what's the case the case that i'm making is one for grace but it is also no it's not the case you're making is a legal case so that these people will not be prosecuted yeah okay if you were just making the case for grace and for forgiveness your article would have come across much differently and it wouldn't have been titled, they wouldn't have amnesty in the title. One for recognition that the pandemic has created a tremendous number of problems that we still need to solve. And at the moment, I see a lot of rehashing of these questions of exactly what we got right and we got wrong in these very uncertain times. I think that that is getting in the way of our ability to move forward. So if we take the example of kids, we see you know, historic declines in student test scores, historic declines in routine vaccination rates, putting aside the COVID vaccinations. We have historic declines in the vaccination rates for things like measles and pertussis. Those are issues for parents. They are issues for policy that we need to move together to to solve. And I'm worried, policy. and this is, I think, the central point of the piece, I'm worried. I didn't catch that the first time around. That's an issue. Those are issues for parents. I could see that. Parents need to decide whether they're going to vaccinate their kids or not. Mm-hmm. Policy. Because these people are existing in Groundhog Day. What policy are you going to put in place? Yeah. Is it a, 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 a the only, all I can think of is that you have mandating vaccines? No, that's a perfect example of how a status thinks. It's well, you guys, I, we listen to the authority, we listen to the state, to the politicians. They got everything wrong, either by utter incompetence or or, by or they're by design. They were lying, and you guys just keep licking that hand. It's like, oh, okay, so we fucked everything up because we listened to you. So now, now what do we do? Can you guys pass a law that, like, yeah, that would fix totally. this? Exactly. Uh, exactly. She also brought up, uh, she oh said, I see a lot of rehashing of what we got wrong and what we got right. I think that is getting in the way of our ability to move forward. It's like, why do you think that is? It's like, that's wrong. There's no path to reconciliation if there's no recognition of what you, that you guys fucked everything up. You got everything wrong. That's not re- like, yeah. That's not or, the thing. We can sit and rehash the past over and over. Like, no, right. you guys shit the bed and you need to admit that and 
like that's that's where we start then we can start rehashing what we got right what we got wrong yeah what kind of dysfunctional you guys got everything wrong that's that's a better way to say that what kind of dysfunctional relationship are you used to existing in where you think the way forward is just to be like oh well bygones be bygones like just ignore the thing that happened between between people yeah we always say that about the state like people that are status like you you are unknowingly and wittingly engaging in the most like the worst abusive relationship i've ever seen that like the state puts like makes fucking ike turner (laughs) look like the greatest husband of all time totally and you guys just keep coming back for more and what she said there is the perfect example of that it's well we obviously we need to work on some policies that would fix this like who makes the policies the same people that created the problem why do you keep coming back for more what is wrong with your brain yeah. Is it is it like an, an issue with your dad? Do is it a therapy thing? Like is, what just fun? What is misfiring in your brain that you just keep getting in line for the same thing over and over? Uh, it's weird. Worried that by continuing to litigate, whether one person was right or another person was right in this space of uncertainty, we are getting in the way of our ability to do this moving forward, and we are losing daylight. On- We're not litigating who is right and who is wrong. We're litigating who intentionally murdered people for profit right i'm on getting I'm, our i'm concerned that people continue to litigate who was right and who was wrong we're bringing this up because the burden of credibility is on you you got everything wrong not us the onus is on you like once you dig yourself out of the hole that you dug yourself and while the rest of us are sitting here on the lawn where we've been the whole time if you manage to get yourself out of that hole the next thing you do is you get to work, you know, putting together the greatest, you know, PowerPoint presentation ever made that would at least give us the smallest semblance that we'll ever listen to you about anything again. Right. We're not it's, litigating who got what right and who got what wrong. It's the scumbag that cheated on his wife. Yeah. And then it, instead of groveling and begging for forgiveness. We need to start working on us. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, say who was right and who was wrong I in the situation. Reha- keep rehashing the past. What? You think... I was wrong. You know, I'd be like telling the wife, like, you know, you you did some things too, you know. I'm like, what? What did I do? Oh, well, I don't want to litigate the, who was right and who was wrong. here and rehash yeah. the past with this psychological mumbo jumbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have no, had that clip no. ready. They, um, she also brought before, now she's all of a sudden concerned about historic declines in routine vaccination rates. Number one. The COVID shot is not a vaccine. Stop. I know you guys changed the definition. I'm gonna, I'm sticking with yeah. the old school definition. The COVID shot is not a vaccine. Had you not called it a vaccine from the beginning, I might not be so paranoid to get yeah. my kid vaccinated now. We don't honest. call it the flu vaccine because we know the shot is not going to stop the flu. It's called the flu shot. So if you are concerned about yeah, uh, about if you're concerned about the compliance rates of the actual vaccines, Maybe if we're talking about policy and the CDC, as we brought up two podcasts ago, and the CDC votes 15 to zero to tie the COVID shot to the routine vaccine schedule. And now we're worried about parents like the low compliance rate for children for all the vaccines now. Well, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Yeah. Because the people now pushing all the actual vaccines that were mandated are the same people trying to push the COVID shot. And people thought this is bullshit. You guys are wrong about everything. So why would we listen to you about this? You guys broke the public trust. Totally. You undermined your own credibility. 
Like you guys shit the bed. Like we see who you are now and people are waking up to that. And it's the same thing that we said in the last podcast. Like here's, here's what I want to let's, let's, let's try to get along here. But, but here's the deal. I don't listen to you ever again about anything. Don't talk to me about the Ukraine. Don't talk to me about climate change, the green new deal, you know, any stimulus, like you're done. Just you, you be quiet now. You're done. Right. Kids back on, on track. Yeah, I, I really hear, and I particularly heard in the control. last few days, people who say, "I want, I want accountability. I want to be able to, to have an apology." Um, and There's there probably is space for, for some of that, but it is also true that we can have that accountability, and then we can say that there is grace to move on. You said you've heard in the last few days um, people pushing back. I guess it's not lost on you. Uh, the irony um you've published this essay that's calling for grace that's calling for forgiveness and it's got people all riled up again writing and tweeting it's calling that it's for the amnesty. Wrong message, that, that we can't just get over it yes that's that has not been lost on me um i you know i think that there's a there's a message that you know maybe not everybody is ready for this and um, I want to note that some people, some okay, people did get it wrong. Some people okay. made okay. wildly. Okay. Oh, it's coming. Okay. Uh, she said this, we can have that accountability and then we can say there's grace to move on. Emily, I can't say I disagree with you. There's just one small little <gasps> detail missing from your proposal. And that is we seem to be skipping over the whole accountability part of your equation. You say it yourself. Like, we can have accountability, and then we have the grace to move on. Where's the accountability? All you're talking about is the grace. All you're talking about is the forgiveness. If you're saying we have to have accountability and then yeah. grace, there's been no talk about accountability. Well, I, I thought that, too, listening to this. Like, I think maybe you need to be more specific in this article. Who exactly needs to be held accountable in your opinion? Mm-hmm. I'd like to know what she thinks yeah. about that. And who and what's your exactly are you talking about forgiving? Yeah. Where does Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Fauci fit in that uh, right. Venn diagram of three circles? <laughs> people, some people did get it wrong. Some people made wildly nice. irresponsible claims during the pandemic. Like um, the idea, for example, that oh anyone should inject Clorox into their body to kill the virus was wrong then. It is wrong now. Um, you're not arguing for, for blanket amnesty. Is that right? For, for people who traffic well, in misinformation? Of course not. Absolutely not. So I'm not arguing for blanket amnesty. No, Donald Trump needs to be held accountable. This, right? There we this, go. Thank you for pointing out what you meant by some people needing to be held accountable. This is where I lost it. This is where I was in my truck signaling my friend, like, you're going to have to wait for me. I'm sorry. I got to listen to this, and I'm going to text Kelly. When I listen to interviews like this or people like Jan Wenner from Rolling Stone or pretty much anything on corporate media, I find myself, like, sometimes accidentally, like, just beginning to take the smallest sip of the Kool-Aid. You know, and I think to myself, like, they'll present something for a brief second and be like, okay, I can I can kind of meet you guys in the middle on this one. Like, I see where you're going. Like, we're fine. Like, I feel like you're finally at least addressing some of these issues. And as it pertains to this, you know, interview in our previous podcasts, you know, the overarching kind of perspective we had or what got me fired up we were just talking about is the lack of accountability. Like, why are we not talking about the accountability here? That That's what's driving me crazy. I'm willing to have a conversation about the forgiveness and the grace and the, you know, <laughs> amnesty. But we have to address, like, how we got here first. And we have to talk about the people that were responsible. 
You and, know, my- and when she got into that question for a brief second, I was like, they're actually, they're kind of broaching the subject. They're talking about disinformation and what people got wrong and some personal responsibility. And I was actually, for a second, I was like... You forgot you were listening to NPR? Yes. <laughs> I thought for a second, I was like, oh, we're, they're going to at least address that, you know, masks don't work and social distancing, distancing doesn't work. Isolating people creates mental illness. It's closing down schools is the wrong thing to do. The vaccine is not a vaccine and this has all this detrimental effects. <laughs> and when they go like, yeah, like, for example, like the disinformation of people like, you know, injecting bleach. I was like, I, yeah, that's right. I'm listening to NPR. That's 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 the elephant in the room here. That we're going to address that's that that was the, all of the dish. You guys got everything wrong, but what we want to talk about what people got wrong is that just wildly like the that huge cap that propaganda campaign to get people to inject bleach. That's just like you, you people are just and why why do my tax dollars support NPR? <laughs> like, Great why, question. Well, like why is that? Great question. Just someone explain it to me. Yeah. And talk about misinformation. Yes. In one, in the same sentence, she's talking about misinformation, and then saying some people said. It's actually clever the way she words it because she doesn't actually say it in a way that's uh, a total lie. You know know what's funny? She goes, "Okay, okay, go ahead." No, you want to say it? Well, no, I was going to say that. uh, Just a side note, (laughs) like turn it on. I was saying that earlier that. Um, it's just some of the greatest unintentional comedy. unintentional comedy ever here. And I, I find myself like listening to it. Like this segment was bookended between a segment that um, was had like, had like a very like long winded, you know, program about like the cultural tragedy that pottery was disappearing from the American family. And then after that, it was just like crazy long interview about a gay dairy farmer and he's just talking about you know farming and how he sings country music and i'm like i don't understand why are we interviewing this guy this is like and i'm like it's so like mundane and asinine like i'm kind of riveted now like and you know and then the end i'm like oh oh he's gay okay so he's a gay dairy farmer so that, that warrants an interview with him claims during the pandemic um the um i so want to note that people some people some people did get it wrong some people made wildly irresponsible claims Period. during the pandemic um the idea New for sentence. example that anyone should inject clorox into their body to kill the virus was wrong then it is wrong now so she doesn't actually say that some people said you should inject clorox into your body mm-hmm. she said some people made claims that were wildly irresponsible mm-hmm. the idea for example that you should inject Clorox into your veins was wrong then and it's wrong now. Okay. Yeah. Who said that? The idea, (laughs) nobody. Nobody She's just saying, like, the idea that the earth or that the sky is red is wrong, was wrong then and it's wrong now. Yeah. So, obviously, a lot of disinformation. Some people made wild claims during the, you know, and that's, yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, she's, she's absolutely 100% correct in what she just said. But what she's doing, it's kind of what's the Michael Malice. Uh, phrases they're not lying they're just uh uh misleading or how does michael malice put it you know but they're she didn't tell a lie right there but she was horribly misleading everyone yeah right there because what the obvious takeaway from that is that yeah that's right i remember that uh president trump told people to inject bleach into their arms in order to kill this virus (laughs) 
right? <laughs> and even if he did, as we said in the last episode, <laughs> if you hear that and you go like, I'm going to give it a try, have at it, my man. <laughs> Let the herd become stronger. I will stronger. send the needles. <laughs> yeah. um, you're not arguing for, for blanket amnesty, is that right? For, for people who trafficked in misinformation. Anyways, I think we're done. Um, I have a good idea, though. I think that we figure out who deserves amnesty and who does not. And we just separate those people, you know, and the people that don't, well, the people that deserve it, we forgive. And the people that don't, they have to pay the price. And the way that we could do that, I have this novel idea. Okay. We'll have a trial. And we'll just put everybody mm. on trial. Do you have a, we, we need to pick a city. We could do it in Baltimore. Mm. Probably. Let's go better. to Europe. Somewhere out of the United States. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. You know what, you know what is uh, nice this time of year? What? Is uh, Germany. Ah, indeed. Auschwitz kind of played out. Yeah. Uh, Berlin. Totally over. Yeah. How about Nuremberg? Where have I heard that before? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, Nuremberg. Let's do it there. That sounds good. We should do a Liberty Tree sponsor. Lo- lovely sponsored, this time of year. Uh, <laughs> Nuremberg trial for these losers. Yeah. So sorry. Uh, you know, it's kind of cool that she did this because I feel like we're actually having an argument with her. Mm hmm. Going back and forth. Yeah. And it's not it would which would be the the best. Right? I, we could actually could sit her down and have an, a discussion about this. Uh-huh. I think the people would benefit from hearing that she'll never do it. Well, no. maybe I don't know. Maybe she will. If she ever did it, I, we would really get somewhere. Did you see the clip, by the way, of MSNBC? Um, interviewing all those Trump voters about yes, January 6th. I did. Oof. It's kind of been... Have you seen that, Mike? No. Do you want to see it? Sure. I also heard a pretty interesting stat and in that they polled people on the right and people on the left or Democrat and Republicans, whatever that means. And they had lined up... So I've been asking people this. According to the media and what's hit like a fever pitch... Um, Mike, you answer this for me. If just going, but you taking any corporate like mainstream media, uh, you're aware of kind of what's out there in the ether, like what the chattering classes are talking about. No. Okay. I mean, I, I, I overhear stuff, but I don't go looking for so it. So what's, what's without thinking about it too hard, like according to like our mainstream media, you know, the CNNs, the MSNBC, what do you think would be the like top three, uh, like concerns that people would vote on according to the mainstream media, mainstream media? yeah and social media uh, and just I, I get to answer this oh, so you, either one of you guys go ahead well esg okay no let him yeah don't trim me down um uh i don't know uh, like some sort of like <sighs> civil rights <laughs> sorry civil rights Something, man, you do wow. not listen to the news. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I am envy you greatly, to be honest, Mike. Uh, having a <laughs> all right, I'm gonna bow uh, out. Continuous now. railroad from uh, the east coast to the west coast. <laughs> <laughs> Get durable goods to the western territories and uh, using uh, uh, limps for golden uh, weather burials. <laughs> Probably the yeah. Dust Bowls. Mass big, producing an automobile. I, think. <laughs> I really love it when I speak up. All right. 
Enlighten me. I'm going to guess uh, abortion, climate change, and Putin or something to do with... No, yeah. no, no, democracy. Yeah. Have you been... What, what are they? Uh, both. So, the, dude, you, you fucking nailed it, actually. The poll is saying, like, according to the media, like, what is the media pushing as their main, as, like, what... What you should if, be if, if the media about. if the media is purportedly representing our population, and they are pushing the agendas. <laughs> what are according to the media if they take in? What are their three like big time issues that they're pushing? You know, especially here before the, the another midterms. way to and uh, it's exactly what you said. It was Ukraine, abortion, and climate change. and climate change. Yeah, they, another way to write that poll is according to the media. How should normal people answer this question? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they they polled Democrats and Republicans, equal amounts of both. They all had the exact same answer. The economy. The economy, inflation, and the border. Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Actual. And so it was just a basic a poll that illustrates how the media represents just this these total fringe ideals of the, you know, the fringe 10%. Yeah. They have are completely out of touch. Well, they, they're intentionally out of touch. Their whole motive that their only f- purpose is to influence opinion. It's not to report on anything. Yeah. They're there to they're pushing narratives. Yeah. They're there they to get their party, uh, elected. Doug Mastriano was at the insurrection and he was photographed breaching one of the restricted areas. Is that okay? Which area? Because I saw a video where Capitol officers yes. were taking away barriers and unlocking Opening doors. doors. People. So, yeah. I mean, I... They opened the gates So it shouldn't be disqualifying for an elected official no, no, no. if they participated in January 6th? He didn't, he didn't strike anybody? He didn't hurt anybody? Yeah, and the only one that died was a protester there, not a Capitol police An unarmed officer. female veteran. Which That's the only one that died. That's well, the only one who died. A police officer did die. No. It was a stroke. That's not. That's not on site. (laughs) The body language of these people is so great. They're just sitting there like, "Fuck you, MSNBC." (laughs) I don't know what they thought they were going to get out of this interview. Yeah, I think maybe they thought they'd make these people look dumb. I absolutely think that's what they're trying to do, and (laughs) they actually and they're they're looking. You can tell they're so comfortable in their skin, and they're looking at her and responding like, "Have you?" done five minutes of research on these questions have you thought about your top yeah yeah you were hand you were literally handed a sheet of questions and you thought you know we would just be like dumbfounded like i don't know we've never thought about this before yeah it's fucking hilarious and they are so well informed yeah they know all these uh statistics they know all the names and this reporter was not it's just it's awesome i recommend i'm not gonna play the whole thing it's kind of long but uh it's just a beautiful beautiful watch <laughs> Trying to predict the future is a discouraging and hazardous occupation because the prophet invariably falls between two. Future's now, old man. So, <clears throat> I bring up Bill Maher a lot. I don't know if it's annoying or not, but let me. The reason I do is because I think Bill Maher is a pretty popular voice out there real time actually is in the top 2.7 percent of all shows in terms of viewer demand i don't know how they calculate that but Mm -hmm. it's hard to calculate um 
hard to find things like how many downloads does a particular podcast have or whatever. But um, on the app that I use to listen to uh, podcasts, Podcast Addict, Mm -hmm. Real Time with Bill Maher has 340,000 subscribers. Okay. And that's just one small app of many. Right. You know. Uh, Apple being the biggest, Spotify, plus his shows on HBO, yeah, and gets a lot of views there. So, um, he is uh, he is mainstream media in that sense. Mm-hmm. Same way you could you could throw Joe Rogan in, yeah, to that. You could call Joe Rogan mainstream media because he is just so popular. Yeah, even though he doesn't share the opinions with a lot of people in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I have been noticing a trend lately with Bill Maher that he's been arguing more and more with his guests. Yeah. It used to be you turn on Bill Maher and just like have to like whip yourself with a cat of nine tails and just <laughs> flagellate yourself just to try to, you know, do away with your sins while you're watching it because he would have guys like Michael Moore on and they just would jerk each other off for the whole show. Right. You know? But lately, I believe that's his OnlyFans. But anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe that's where I got those statistics from. Actually, uh, so there was that one with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, where Bill Maher was basically telling him, "You're a fucking scientist. Be a scientist." Right. And called him on all of his bullshit. And we talked about like, that last episode that Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, it, who you know was very obviously one of the more brilliant minds in the world is we call it he's blinded by his ideology he has a political or cultural narrative in his head and it's a prism through which that amazing mind filters everything through and it just it skews people's ability to think critically yeah so i'm gonna play uh some clips from the other night where he had uh you've all know harari on also known as the antichrist incarnate. Uh, and this woman named Gillian Tett on and uh, just kind of point out how Bill Maher is coming around. So this is all to say this is all in support of this prediction mm-hmm. that I'm going to make. OK. And I am going to tell you what that prediction is after we take a small break. And my prediction is that Bill Maher is going to come around on climate change. Yes. It just seems inevitable. I think you're right. I think that he is experiencing a slow build of vitriol for the people that he was on a team with. And he is like me 10, 15 years ago. When I tell people, like, I didn't leave the left. The left left me. Yeah. And I'm not on the right. I'm just kind of out here on an island at this point. You listen to everything he says about the the 
experts were supposed to be right about vaccines and the experts were supposed to be right about masks and the experts, you know, are they hate Elon Musk for, you know, and he's just constantly like waking up. He yeah. hasn't gone there yet. He thinks climate change is the existential threat that we're told it is still, mm -hmm. but I think he comes around on it. So here's him with... I, uh, I just think humans cannot resist Satan. when the technology comes along, and the phone is just the most recent example of that, and the most virulent, because I do think it is rewiring brains. I don't know if it's the technology itself, but the fact that so many people... I cannot imagine reading a book. <laughs> you know, everything is rewiring our brains. Just talking here and people listening to us, the brain is constantly changing. Hmm. So yes, we have to be very, very careful about what we say, especially in public. Like what we say here, the words are like seeds that go into the brains of millions of people, maybe. So we should be careful about what seeds we are sowing. But you just see his gears turning. When he's talking, mm -hmm. the words are like seeds going into the brains of millions of people. <laughs> Gives me an idea. This guy is beyond evil. Gertrude's gone. Let's see what she has to say. Hey, you're on the podcast. No, I'm not. Yeah. What's up? I'm hanging up. <laughs> what? chicken <laughs> um it's interesting they were talking about this though because remember on thursday i was talking that call about didn't go very well <laughs> I'm, i guess i'm in trouble um i was talking about tv being the cause of a lot of the problems mm -hmm. that we're in right now mm -hmm. and he he's kind of saying the same thing although he, he took it to the next step with with phones mm-hmm but also people need to be careful about what they take in. The same way they're very careful about food, that you have the diets and you have all these warnings on food, like you have the, the, the list of this is 40% fat and 20% sugar. We need this also like on a YouTube video, like this is 40% greed, 20% hate. If you want now to thank yeah. you. Well, yeah. But I, I actually think... It's, so, you're, you're leaving out... Oh, boy. I don't want to go there. You're leaving out the integral component of your proposal there yeah. is that someone is in charge of that. Yes. And man is not meant to rule other man. It has and not been going well in terms of man choosing for other men what they should be allowed to see and what they should be allowed to say. Yes. I would almost argue that there is an amendment in the Constitution that speaks directly to You know, that. there should be. We should have an amendment to the Constitution. That's another petition we should get going. I think this actually, <laughs> I'm clearly addicted, okay, yes. this technology. It's designed to be addictive, deliberately designed. This lady is But so it dumb. also does something else much more subtle that really plays into what you're talking about in terms of polarization, which is that this has created what I call Gen P, Gen Playlist. And by that I mean that <laughs> when we were growing up, if you wanted to listen to music... Don't, don't pull your arm out of the socket patting yourself on the back for that one. <laughs> Gen P. It's a jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> Get it? You jump to conclusions. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> you had to accept somebody <laughs> else's preset package. So like a vinyl record, or you switched on the radio, and someone else decided what was playing when. This is great. Today, consumer culture, our coffee choices. I mean, you go to Starbucks, you want to order coffee, you've got like 20 choices. You have it with media, you listen to, you basically read what you want, you have your friends, you have your work. Um, that's played into the whole working from home thing. But also, it plays into our politics. Because we all think we live in our version of the matrix where we can pick issues whenever we want and we can basically just focus on one thing at a time and then change our minds. You know, the idea of having old-fashioned things called parties is just so 20th century. It's what? Ed, how high is she? <laughs> parties are a 20th century idea? Do you realize how entrenched people are in their political party yeah. right now? I mean, it's like talking to Mike about the current events. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Everything, as ridiculous as these people are, is this is the definition of political elites. And the difference between political elites and natural elites, I mean, there are several. But as it pertains to this conversation, because we talked about this on the, on the last podcast, is... So they, they broached this topic with the issue of free speech, right? And he's saying, like, and people wildly applauded for it, is when we put out media, we need to have, you know, somewhat some kind of a, you know, inherent, like, metric or, like, value system of, like, this is what this actually is. This is what this content is, 20% greed, it's 30% truth, whatever. But what they always skip over and their wonderful little proposal that everyone is clapping for, you know, and people dipshit boomers like Jan Wenner is, is you know, pushing for is that puts someone in charge of what that is. All right. And our track record of that, because it is happening with people being deplatformed with social media and to tie it back to the, the, the article by Emily Oster is you people, your track record is, is abysmal, right? Yeah. And it is not only abysmal, like due to incompetence, but it's abysmal due to corruption and having you know, whoever's in charge of that has a preconceived narrative, right? There's not people we had, we knew podcasters that went online uh, during the people getting deplatformed because of disinformation, but they wildly skewed it the other way, like aggressive, like we need boosters every week, you know, <laughs> just like saying ridiculous COVID fanatic stuff. Yeah. They did it as a, as like a test and yep. none of those people got, none of them kicked got deplatformed. Off. Yeah. But if you said like, I, there were people kicked off social media for saying like, uh, getting out in the sun, getting some vitamin D and getting some aerobic exercise will, will greatly help you with your chances of COVID. Yeah. Kicked off. Joe Rogan got slammed. Yeah, obviously a narrative. And, I mean, and they it, were going after him with the dirtiest tricks, too, just, like, changing the color of his skin. Yeah, they made him look all jaundiced. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's complete fuckery. And when people say, you know, and when people try to refute that, when you bring it up and they say, well, you know, there's so much out there and we don't nail it every time. I'm like, okay, dick. But every action that you took was all in one direction, right? If I'm running if I'm running a convenience store and I mess up giving my customers their change and it always benefits with me giving <laughs> them less than they're supposed to get. Yes, exactly. Okay, like we need to start asking some questions. This is exactly what happened with disinformation well, and social media and the corporate media. And what these people to get into like what how political elites think 
these are smart people. Her, not so much. Him, he's. Yeah. I don't even know why she's on the show. I. I don't. Yeah, she, I think she might have wandered on there. <laughs> she's left over from the segment before or something. She's the Financial Times. She's got some sort of brain. Okay, so yeah. but these people fancy themselves political elites, and the difference is is that they are very cognizant of of the concept of a caste system because they're definitely Yuval, Yuval Harari just says it outright. Like we need to get rid of these these silly notions like free will and people making decisions for themselves. It's he doesn't see a problem with people making decisions for themselves like human beings. He sees the plebes, the caste system, making decisions for themselves. Right. And he these people fancy themselves like no no no. You guys don't know what's best for you like we do. Yes. Myself, Klaus Schwab, Gavin Newsom, Justin Trudeau, like the political elites. Like we're we are not in this position by virtue or that we have some inalienable natural talent. We are here due to a corrupt political system. And now that we are at the top of this power hierarchy, we are going to start deciding like what's best for you people. It's and it's funny how her outrage is about people having choice. Yeah. You know, what you really need is for someone to curate your news intake. Yeah. Not out there looking for it yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's just not uh, American. She that's- sees it as problematic that, like, you can get information, like, everywhere from, like, friends and different platforms. And there's 20 different kinds of coffee. Like, right. it's, we need to get it so we can just give you the one thing. It's that like need. that. Who is that uh, reporter with the kind of Russian uh, name, blonde chick, uh, who her husband is also in? The, I'm blanking on her name. But... Uh, she said it in an interview, like outright, like we are the ones that make up the narrative. Oh, Mika Brzezinski. Mika Brzezinski. Yeah. Yes, exactly. She's like, we can't have other people getting this information yeah. for themselves. We're the ones that make up the narrative. That's our job to make up the narrative. Yeah. I mean, she flat out said it. She was appalled by the notion that people would go out there and get independent sources for information. Yes. And so that's exactly what this lady, same thing this lady's saying. Yeah, Absolutely. It's like literally a vinyl record for politics. And I think that's playing into this sense of, you know, tribalism. It means that politics and, is becoming And again, you, I mean, you point out all these things we could do, but people don't. So this yes, is where he pushes back on the labels on food Harari. say what the shit is in it, and then people eat it. Not all of it's them. It's not like yeah. they look at, oh, it has fat and sugar, and they go, I can't eat this. That's what they pull off the shelf. Mm-hmm. So, what, and, you know, people could ignore the phone. They don't. They, they could choose to go on a, a media diet, but they're, they're not going to. We saw in the paper this week only something like 26 of 193 countries who signed on to do things about the environment have done anything. We can't resist that either. The convenience that is brought to us by things that pollute. I've said this to the audience many times, like, if you could tomorrow give up the TV remote and have it cure global warming, would you do it? It's not just, of course, the responsibility of individuals. This is why we have governments. This is why we have institutions. This is why we have regulations to help us with the things that, yes, it's very difficult to do it individually. Uh, But the government can do it for you. Who has a worse track record? What's your favorite flavor of boot? (laughs) Who... Who has a worse track record than the government when it comes to polluting the environment? I don't know. Enron? Maybe. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. The governments of the world have done far more. I mean, just look. You could take Chernobyl as one example that would just surpass the yeah. all the pollution that anyone else has ever done. You know, it's 
just the same story over and over again. You need the government um, to... Partly because it was designed us. to be difficult. You know, you have some of the smartest people in the world uh, are basically hacking our own weaknesses. Uh, Elon Musk took over Twitter and I brought a sync with him. Heavily, um, exactly. I happen to be an Elon Musk fan, but what do you think about that? Is that a good idea that a billionaire take over Twitter because billionaires certainly own every other media outlet? <laughs> I mean, he's now officially a media baron. Um, personally, I have a lot of admiration for a lot of the innovation that Elon Musk has brought to the world. He's done some incredible things. The problem with him is that he's becoming increasingly godlike in the way he looks at problems right now and assumes that he can solve them. You're sitting next to Yuval Harari. He's unelected. And when I look at what he's done in Ukraine with something like Starlink, Mm -hmm. which is an incredible technology. So in the early weeks of the Ukrainian war, the Russian invasion, he spread Starlinks across the country. He donated some. Others were bought by Ukrainians, and they basically meant that the soldiers and civilians had internet throughout the war, which was amazing. I mean, incredible. So that was Thank a good you, thing. Elon. That was good. And Tesla, that was a good thing. Tesla was good. And, and relandable rockets, good thing. But then, bad guy. Then, wait for it. Then, <laughs> yeah, in the well, last month or two, he began cool. to basically say, first of all, it wasn't clear who's going to pay for them, and then he began to switch them off in some of the uh, really important areas. But they're Monster. on. They're no, he didn't do that. Uh, actually, I've been in touch with the Ukrainians just recently, and yes, in areas, the, the Starlinks were switched off, and it's still unclear what's going to happen. That's not what I read. I read that he talked about it a little bit, and then there were some complications. What he tweeted is not always what he actually does. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> Do we really want to piss off the geniuses? I mean, con- considering that wisp- this week we learned once again that we're not going to solve the environment ourselves. We're not so going to do it by the he, model we thought we could do it by, which is everybody needs to conserve more and not just do whatever you want because that pollutes. That's not working. That failed. It looks like we're going to have to have a technological response to this. I don't know if Elon Musk is the guy we want to piss off. I'm just going to stop it there. But uh, he goes on to contradict Harari, and Harari contradicts himself in this. Um, his his goal is not for the betterment of mankind. His goal is for... He might see it that way, actually. But his goal is to... Harari, I'm talking about, is to control mankind and turn people into... The ones that he allows to live to turn into cattle, basically. Yeah, the, it's the fourth industrial revolution, which those are the, their words, not mine. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that... Uh, he keeps having people on his show who are um, brilliant and highly respected, and he keeps disagreeing with them. And I think the the next thing to happen is that he wakes up to this idea that uh, climate change is not that big a deal. The I heard something recently about. Um, Elon Musk is offering a million dollars to anyone that can come up with a a new way to sequester carbon, Mm -hmm. like a contest that he's putting out there. Mm -hmm. And I just think the arrogance in something like that is unbelievable Mm -hmm. to me. For all of the existence of mankind, we've been in an ice age. The thing that we have struggled with as humans more than anything else is the cold. The cold has been the biggest killer 
the hardest thing to deal with, the thing that causes the most famine, the thing that's, um, I mean, talk about a painful way to die. You know, it just an ice age after ice age, it, the 300,000 years that we've been on the planet is what we've all been dealing with. And now the planet is warming, whether it's due to man's interference or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the arrogance to think that, oh, we have to stop this from happening. We finally have given humans like a comfortable, warm environment to live in. And now everyone's scrambling to stop that from happening as if they know for a fact that it's a bad thing just pisses me off and i hate being cold so i think that's probably where most of this stems from Don't L L what the hell gonna rock the bells? Or you want stuff rap wanna do this well? Rock the bell. 